I'm EJ Ionelli, and this is From the Studio. This morning we're in the KPBX studio with cast members and the director of Spokane Children's Theater's new production of Cheaper by the Dozen, which is opening this weekend for a, just a little over a two-week run. And so let me greet our guests by name. We have Valley Downey, who is directing. Yes. Good morning, Valley. Good morning. We have Adam Chavez, who is playing the father of this family, Mr. Frank Gilbreth. Good morning. Good morning, Adam. We also have Nadia, who is playing Anne, who is the oldest child. Good morning. Good morning, Nadia. We have Leland Hargrove, who is playing Frank Jr. Morning. <laughs> Good morning, Leland. <laughs> and we also have Kaylin Downey, who is playing Martha. Good morning. Good morning. Uh, now, Valley, I was hoping that you might be able to help us conceive of what this play is about, because I think folks might be familiar with the, the film that came out in the 2000s with Steve Martin, and they may even be familiar with the source novel on which this is based. But the, uh, this is a, a play, a straight play, a non-musical, about a family of 12. What do we know beyond that? Well, we, thank you for asking. What we do know is that both the parents were educated, um, Frank and Lillian Gilbreth, and that they did have 12 children. And the play is set in 1919. Um, we've moved it to 1948, post-World War II. Um, both of the parents are efficiency experts. And the dad travels the world teaching at different organizations and businesses, corporations, how to get the most out of each employee. Um, he'll make a big deal about like buttoning your sweater from the bottom to the top will save you two seconds. And those two seconds are very important. They also came up with the idea of the family council. And that's where you'll hear us later in that first scene of the first family council. And friends of the family have also written about them that this family council was such a novel idea. Other people that would meet them would start doing it in their homes, sometimes successful, sometimes not. And why did you decide to move it ahead a few decades from 1919 to 1948? Because some of the language in it would not be what would be maybe appropriate in this day and age to do with certain words that a young person might not understand, like Victrola, we've changed <laughs> to a you know record player. And so by moving it to post-World War II, we were able to then showcase that the teenage angst that really started then is still going strong today. And Adam, I was hoping you might be able to talk about some of your previous experience with Spokane Children's Theater. And then I'd also like to kind of dive into your character of Frank Sr. a little bit. So um, how many productions have you done with Spokane Children's Theater? Well, uh, this one uh, marks number three, actually. Uh, so the first one I did was uh, Willy Wonka, which was uh, earlier last year. I played Veruca Salt's dad, Mr. Salt, which was like a very uh, intimidating uh, mafia man who <laughs> happened to run a... Uh, peanut business. <laughs> and uh, the more previous one that I did uh, last month was uh, Elf the Musical. I played the Macy's star manager. Oh, fantastic. Um, and how did you come to be involved with Spokane Children's Theater in the first place? Where did you hear about it that you decided to become involved? Uh, my wife, actually. Um, so my wife, Jessica Chavez, she uh, has um, been a music director from time to time. She's uh, music directed for uh, The Addams Family, uh, Year with Frog and Toad, and she also music directed Elf the Musical as well. 
And did you have previous acting experience, or is this your first foray onto the stage? Well, it's actually been a while. Uh, the last time I acted before I came to Spokane Children's Theater was well over 20 years ago. Oh, that's really good that you were able to kind of get back into it. Yeah. And um, and your character, Frank Sr., you know, could you tell us about him um, if he is the the father of this very, very, very large family and also an efficiency expert. Does that make him a bit of a taskmaster? Somewhat, yes. Uh, so while he realized that all these uh, forms of motion study that he has uh, that he has given to these many different factories and companies and so on, he realizes that if this works for these uh, factories, it could probably work for his family too, make things more efficient. But... Um, he also puts that towards their education as well because he wants what's best for his children. So he wants to get things moving forward so to the point to where they start skipping grades in school. And one of these things that he implements, and Valley, you had made reference to this earlier, was the, the family council, which was a novel idea at the time. And then, as you mentioned, it was adopted by, by other families. So before we meet the children, I think it might be good to maybe set the scene with one of these family councils. Valley, I didn't know if you wanted to provide any more context to this sure. scene, a little more background. Yes. So in Act 1, um, probably maybe 10 minutes in, um, the dad has this wonderful... Um, way of gathering all 12 children by blowing his whistle. And they come running from four different directions, very loudly on stage, pushing and shoving like normal kids. And after they've got there, he announces, we are going to have a family council for you to decide the rules in the home. And the children are thinking, what do you mean, us? And he said, yes, you, we're all going to vote. And there's a gavel on the coffee table, and they pound it, he pounds a gavel, and the meeting begins, and each of the children has something to um, give to that family meeting, <laughs> the eldest especially. So before we begin, do I need to pound a gavel or anything, or are we going we gonna to just launch into well, it? Well, if I had known, I would have brought it from the, <laughs> from the stage, but that's all right. <laughs> All right, well, let's hear that now. There is still further business I wish to place before the council. And it's important. I'll, I'll show you. I'm not hiding a thing. I want the entire family to see. Be serious. What is it? To begin with, these underthings. These camisoles. <gasps> and I'm going to wear them. <gasps> you will not! You will put them back in the box and it embarrasses me to even look at them. I bought them with my own money. You'll take them right back to the store this very moment. There's only one other girl in school besides us who doesn't wear a camisole. If you don't believe us, come to school and see for yourself. That won't be necessary. I'm glad there's one other sensible girl in school beside you. But even she doesn't wear a camisole. And if you don't believe us... That still won't be necessary. They're getting boy crazy, Dad. It's all they talk about. You should see him eyeing the boys in the halls at school. Or in the lunchroom. You little snakes! <laughs> shame on you! Shame on all of you! You might as well know. It isn't just camisole. I bought silk stockings. No! And you didn't! You might as well go bare-legged as to wear one of these! You can see right through them! It's like the last of the seven veils! Now you know. Do you have any idea what might happen if you show your legs through silk stockings? What? Never mind. But that's the way everyone dresses today. Boys don't notice when everyone dresses that way. Don't tell me about boys. I know all about what boys notice. You don't want us to be wallflowers. 
I'd rather raise wallflowers than clinging vines. I'm going to wear these. I'm not going to be a wallflower anymore. And I'm going to buy stockings, too. And me. I'll not let any of you out of the house with those. Don't you see, Dad? I've never been asked to the drugstore for plain, ordinary vanilla soda. If it's vanilla sodas you want... Oh, Dad. As for boys, they don't get serious about the kind of girl who wears camisoles. If you ask me, it's a dead giveaway to be so suspicious. It denotes a misspent youth. Nobody asked you! Listen to me, Anne. When a man picks a wife, he wants someone he can trust. They can certainly trust me. I'm the most trusted girl in the whole school. The boys trust me so much they hardly even look at me. Come back over here! I don't want you wasting a lot of time with boys. Look at all the fun that we have here! With our family and our studies! You don't understand. You don't understand at all. I wish your job was selling shoes. And you only had one or two children. And then neither of them was me! And scene. And, uh, and we heard some very traditional intergenerational conflict there. And I think that gives a great time to bring you in, Nadia, as Anne, and mm-hmm. talk about Anne as the oldest child. Now, I don't think she's particularly happy with some of these, no. these rules and these efficiency measures that are going into place. No, so she kind of represents that, like, the strife between teenage girls or teens in general with, like, their parents. And so she wants something that the father doesn't want. And she's being a little rebellious about it, as all teenage girls can be sometimes. And it shows that sometimes the parents want something that they think is good for their kids, and the kids disagree with that. And so she definitely shows that in the play itself. And you have 11 other siblings. So do any of them side with you? Are you joined in this fight and in this resistance? Yes. So the, um, the two other older sisters... Martha and Ernestine, they also want to wear silk stockings and go with boys. And so they definitely side with Anne throughout the play, even sometimes spoiling what she wants sometimes. And then definitely some of the younger girls want to be like some of the older siblings. And so they start kind of siding with Anne as well. And so is that kind of some of the main tension in this play? Is it is that between you as Anne, the oldest child, uh, rebelling against your parents and in particular your father's uh, efficiency measures? Yes. So at the beginning, she's kind of like almost like a spoiled brat. And she really disagrees <laughs> with the father. And then throughout the story, she kind of finds out why. And at the very end, she asks why the dad wants them to get ahead. And he has his answer. And so I think it's very sweet that it begins with, her rebelling, and then her ending with, like, the love that she has for her dad. Yeah, and I think we'll hear a little bit from that scene mm-hmm. later. Um, but I'm also curious as to how you got involved with Spokane Children's Theater, and, uh, you know, what number play does this represent? Is this number one, or have you been with the, the um, Children's Theater for a while? So I've been in two other shows. I was in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and then I was in um, a play recently called Hashtag Enough. And so I've done acting ever since I was eight, And I've been performing on stage ever since I was, I don't know, maybe two or four. So I've been performing for a long time, and I really wanted to try out theater. And so I started when I was eight, and then COVID happened when I was 10. And then right after, I found Spokane Children's Theater. And I did my first show, Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I really enjoyed it. And I'm not familiar with this hashtag enough. You know, somebody might have mentioned it, but I, I maybe I didn't cotton on. But I'm curious about this play and what that that was about. Was that with Spokane Children's Theater yes. and maybe the teen? Um, yeah, it was with the teen company at Spokane Children's Theater, and it was about um, gun violence. Oh, okay. and the different sides to the story of that. 
And so this represents uh, a quite a different change of pace from something that's dealing with something that's so social politically charged. Yeah. And then this is a, a little lighter, even though yeah. we just heard a it little was, bit of tension. It was very, very heavy. There was a lot of tears <laughs> when we read the script. And were you familiar with some of the source material or some of the other adaptations of this? Or did you come into this play fairly fresh? I knew about, like, there was, like, 12 siblings. But I didn't know the backstory, I guess, of it, that there were, like, a real family. And so I auditioned, and I read the script when I went for the callback. And I really loved how, it, like, the emotion that was in the story itself. Well, let's to turn to two of your other siblings in this play. And you are, uh, this is Leland and Kaylin playing Frank Jr. and Martha. And you are twins in this, no? Yeah. Um, so Frank, or I should say Leland, as Frank, um, can you talk about your character? Is he a mini version of his dad? Or is he a little rebellious too? He's a little bit of both. Like, on certain things, like work assignments and whatnot, school, as most, you know, young boys, young people in general are a little bit irked by it somewhat. Not always a big fan, but otherwise he is very much like his father, or I am, I guess. It's funny, the way I work is I do my best to spread uh, the message and knowledge of our father's teachings, and I'm not at all on board with the females, <laughs> <laughs> the females deciding to go against that. I can't really begin to comprehend or understand that, so I'm very much automatically against it. And coming with that, I do my best to sort of throw a wrench in their plans as much as I can. For sure. And are you unique in this, or is that a quality that's shared by the other male siblings in this production? It's largely me who enacts on the plans, but they certainly aid in helping me with my endeavors as well as father's. Our schemes. <laughs> yes, our schemes. And uh, what number production does this represent for you with Spokane Children's Theater? This will be number five. Wow, okay, so you're, mm -hmm. a, you're a veteran of Spokane Children's Theater. I mean, I suppose this actually marks the one-year anniversary of me happening to be here at SCT. So you've done five productions within that year? Within one year, yes. Oh, wow. And uh, w did you have prior acting experience, or is this your first foray? Mm, yeah, this is, this is it. I have done nothing else. I, well, <laughs> I'm, I'm fascinated by this. What sparked your interest in, in performing? Well, it was two years ago during uh, basically a summer-like camp that my parents had signed me up for because... Well, I had been playing a lot of, like, baseball and football, and, well, we wanted to do something for the summer, and uh, the baseball season had uh, not really gone as long as we'd thought, so something to fill the time, and they were like, hmm, acting, or, well, musical theater anyway, which wasn't acting, but it had a lot of singing and dancing, and I went to this camp, and it was just loads of fun. I found a lot of people that... I really enjoyed and I could relate to a lot more than I had in uh, many other cases. And even like in school, these people were my type of people. So in doing that, just a little bit of time goes by and 
football season's over, not much going on in the winter. So suddenly, uh, my stepdad comes to me and is like, have you ever thought of doing a play? And I was like, that could be fun. I haven't <laughs> tried it. Uh, what happened was my stepdad's a chiropractor. So uh, one of his patients, uh, Esther, who works at SCT and is uh, one of the actors who works a lot there, she heard that I was sort of into theater from him and told him about SCT and he told me and I was super interested so they signed me up and just this last year for the winter and it was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe and that just sort of got me hooked on theater and they thought, eh, he's good enough. So <laughs> I've sort of been going ever since. Well, I love hearing about that entry point and then once you did start participating, you know, doing five productions in a single year, it, you really threw yourself into it, which is just fantastic. Um, and then, Kaylin, I, I want to talk to you about mm -hmm. Martha. Now, you are Frank's twin. Yeah. Uh, are you of a similar mindset, or do you find yourself kind of siding with Anne a little bit more? Um, I feel like my character doesn't really like my twin, because we're, like, the exact <laughs> opposite. I'm, like, always siding with Anne, and I don't like the rules that Dad has, so... And what is your history with Spokane Children's Theater? This is my third show. My first show was The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, and I was a wood nymph, and it was really fun. And then I did Willy Wonka, and I was a London kid and a Oompa Loompa, and it was just really fun. Yeah, yeah. so it sounds like Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe and Willy Wonka were two big draws for, for most of you. Mm -hmm. no? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, uh, Valley, I'd like to talk about some of the other folks who aren't necessarily here today, but uh, you have a youth board team, Evan Sperry, yes. who has been apprenticing on lighting design, so they're getting involved from a production standpoint, too, which is kind of cool. Uh, can you talk about Evan and his role on this and what he might be learning in that role? Yes, he's been um, wonderful to work with. He seems to be much older and more mature than he really is. I think he's 14. And he's actually done the whole lighting plot for this and programmed it, and also with the sound. So he's up in the light booth doing both light and sound, and then he's teaching another youth board member how to do sound. It's her first time. That's Molly Luttermouse has been doing the sound. And then he's also playing one of the love interests, each of the three older girls, Anne, Ernestine, and Martha, have a boy they like. And all three boys make their appearance. And he plays Joe Scales, a cheerleader, and he comes into the home full of ego, obnoxious, and he wants all of them to do a cheer with him. And that's when the father walks out. And he says, the father says, Yes, she can go on a date, but I'm sending a sibling with her. And he said, I'm not going to the drugstore with a sibling following me. What will they think? <laughs> Don't you trust your own flesh and blood? And Father said, oh, I trust all my children children. It's cheerleaders I don't trust. <laughs> well, it's great that Evan is getting both that onstage yes. and backstage experience yes. as well. And so there's a, a, a scene in here that maybe um, also explains some of the father's reasons, Frank Sr.'s reasons for implementing a lot of these efficiency members. And so before we do that, Adam, I don't know if you wanted to set this scene up and talk about uh, and maybe prepare the listeners for what we're about to hear. Yes. So... At this uh, at this scene, it's uh, nearing the end of the show. Uh, 
So Frank Gilbert, the dad of the family, is about to leave home. He's going to Europe for a conference. And uh, now before he ends up leaving, he uh, sets up his family so that way they're all ready to um, run the house without him. Um, I won't spoil too much about that. But uh, he is getting ready to leave. And uh, finally, there's this opportune moment for Anne to um, ask Dad why he wants them to save time on things. I see. So, yeah, let's hear that scene now. Wonderful. Nine seconds. That's that's really good. I I have to go. Daddy. Hush. No last-minute nonsense now. You all know your duties. As my last act as your chairman, I would like to nominate your mother as your new chairman. All in favor? Aye. <clears throat> She's your new chairman. Do you have to, Do you go, have now? to go? Please don't Please go. Write us off. Write us. Here Every now. Day. Your father has to hurry. Dad, before you go, there's just one thing I don't understand. Just one? Maybe, I think maybe I know why you want us to get ahead. But everything you do, all your work to save time for everybody. The thing I don't understand is, what do you want to save time for? For work, if you love that best. For education, for art, for beauty, for travel, for love, if that's what you love best. For it's what you love best, that's what you save time for. Right now is the happiest time in the world. No waving goodbye nonsense. Get along with things. And by Job, behave yourselves! Fred, get your mother a chair. All of you, arrange yourselves for a family meeting. Mother, Mr. Chairman. Mother. Like all families, we have to get on with the business before us. I now call this family council to order. And scene. And, uh, and before we close, I just there was one thing that I found kind of intriguing on the upcoming schedule, Valley, and this is the singing telegram for Valentine's Day that's with the uh, SCT uh, Youth or Teen Board. Can you talk about this? Yes, it's such a great idea. Um, all you have to do is go onto their website, and you can have one of the Teen Board members go and sing a song to the person you send this singing telegram to. Um, I have someone in mind I'm going to send this to. And then it's a fundraiser for the teen board. Um, and th this helps them when they're doing costumings or doing teen camps, summer camps for different um, props they may need. So it's a fundraiser for them. And just think how wonderful it is someone knocks on your door, somebody young with lots of energy just to sing for you. And is anybody here participating in that? No? I don't believe Maybe on the so. fence? Yes. Okay. <laughs> well, I want to thank all five of you for coming in today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. I've been speaking this morning with Valley Downey, Adam Chavez, Nadia, Leland Hargrove, and Kaylin Downey of Spokane Children's Theater's new production of Cheaper by the Dozen. Cheaper by the Dozen opens this Friday, and that's January 19th, and runs until February 4th at their venue, and that's located at 2727 North Medelia Street. You can get tickets and more information at SpokaneChildrensTheater.org, or you can call their box office on 509-328-4886.